In life, we celebrate success and condemn failure. It's a natural reaction. Success is exciting and positive. Failure is frustrating and negative. But we learn our most valuable lessons through failure and, by extension, become better people. A lot of times we see a similar level of neglect of the benefits of failure and gaming sessions when, in truth, they can create interesting moments that completely change the trajectory of our stories in the most unexpected and interesting ways imaginable. Here's the tale. I grew up in a housing development, one of those stereotypical Midwestern sprawls of cookie-cutter suburban dwellings. The development was started in the late 1970s and continued to grow well into the 90s. So on any given day in the 80s, there were probably half a dozen construction sites where new structures sat in various stages of completion. They were dangerous areas of rocks, mud, nails, broken glass, and precipitous falls, so of course we were drawn to them. There was always a window of opportunity after they put up the walls, but before they installed doors and glass, though even after that we found ways to get in. There would be no electricity or running water in the unit, just a hollow shell. We'd ride out, drop our bikes in some bushes so passersby wouldn't know we were there, and venture into these half-built domiciles. I remember one time my brother, my cousin, and me wandered into one of these sites just as the sun was starting to go down. We knew we'd have to be home soon, so it was going to have to be a quick adventure. No doors or windows installed, so we were able to just wander on in. The smell of fresh lumber filled the dusty air. Being at Home Depot 40 years later still takes me back to those days. My brother and cousin wandered off. They were, they were braver than I was and would usually go to the upstairs level and jump across the beams that would eventually hold a floor. I stepped around carefully, the sound of my scuffling shoes echoing around the cold rooms. I eventually found myself in the attached garage. It was getting darker outside and I was starting to get a bit spooked. Not the best moment for the other two to decide they'd have a little fun with me, but what else is family for? I believe it was my cousin from somewhere in the house who shouted, Oh no, it's the cops! I absolutely panicked. I looked furiously around for my brother and called out to him. No answer. The magnitude of my situation, alone in the dark, and the certainty that I would be going to juvie where I'd be doing laundry from sunup to sundown, triggered my flight response in the most visceral way possible. I knew I had to find a way out, but due to the darkness, I couldn't see the door I took to get into the garage from the rest of the house. All I could see was a bit of twilight coming from a doorway that led to the backyard. I bolted for what seemed like my only escape. What I failed to see was the horizontal bar of wood that crossed the doorway right at eye level of a seven-year-old kid. The next thing I remember is lying flat on my back and my brother standing over me. I could hear my cousin nearby laughing hysterically. I couldn't see my brother's face. It was dark and for some reason it felt like my heart was located somewhere behind my left eye. But I'm sure it read something like, oh crap, how am I going to explain this to mom and dad? They got me to my feet, dusted me off, and we made the long, sad trek home. I don't really recall much else about that evening, but I do remember wearing sunglasses everywhere I went for the next few days to hide the massive shiner on my left eye. It was obviously an impactful event in my life because I'm still telling the story nearly four decades later. A series of bad decisions and failures ended up being one of my most memorable moments. And I learned my lesson. We never went back to any of those half-built houses ever again. At least not without ample lighting conditions. So what can be said about this less than perfect moment in my life? For starters, it wouldn't have happened if everything had gone to plan. 
If I hadn't made the choice to go alone into the garage, if I had successfully realized my cousin was bluffing when he yelled about the cops, if I had spotted the crossbeam in the doorway, I wouldn't have been injured, we wouldn't have gotten in trouble, and I wouldn't have had to explain to my grandparents why I was attending Sunday school the next day wearing a pair of my mom's gigantic sunglasses. But I also wouldn't have had this story to tell. Failure is an important part of every person's story. We're an amalgamation of lessons we learn from the mistakes we make. Every ball dropped, every injury received, every heart broken is an indelible stamp on our souls that we carry for the rest of our lives, even if we don't directly remember them. So why should it be any different for the characters in the stories we tell at the table, at least if we want to make them believable? There are two important ways that character development is expressed as they journey through their lives. The most obvious and quantifiable, of course, is the character sheet and the numbers it tracks. It's a standard trope in tabletop games to see a character's progression as being very linear. In most RPGs, this is rather explicit. Attributes always increase, skills always get better, hit points always get higher. It's a steady march towards heroism for the sole purpose of protecting characters from an ever-growing list of minor annoyances. I suppose there is some sense of accomplishment there, but it isn't very exciting from a storytelling perspective. In the late 90s, we played a lot of Mage the Ascension. I really enjoyed that time in my gaming career because it taught me new ways to explore character development and how that development could inform the stories those characters were experiencing. My sister-in-law was playing a Verbena, sort of Western European witches. This character relied, at least in part, on an attractive appearance expressed in a high charisma. At one point in the campaign, due to a significantly brutal fight, her character suffered a major injury, which resulted in a large, grisly scar across her face. There was nothing in the rules that stated this scar should be long-lasting, but it interested me to see how the character's story would develop if one of her core attributes was rendered less effective. So we made it permanent. I should say to all the GMs out there that you have to be careful with this sort of thing. Players can sometimes act negatively to having their core abilities nerfed, even if it's not for storytelling purposes. You also have to watch that you're not hitting too close to home for the player. Different folks have different raw nerves, and if you tweak the wrong one, well, things could get difficult. But part of the core concept of Mage is growth and change. It was something the players had signed on for, so I went with it. And it was interesting. The character became more reserved and less confident. She approached situations in different ways. It gave the player an opportunity to express her character's story in a different way and explore the idea of overcoming a major setback. Eventually, she developed her character in a way that she became a more powerful mage. The scar became something she integrated into her magic until it was almost the source of her power. All in all, an extremely interesting story arc that might not have played out if the character hadn't suffered an intense failure. Of course, not all failures have to create divergent moments that redefine the literary weight of the story. Sometimes they can just be fun. I'm still telling the tale of little moments that spawned out of simple failed roles many years ago. I remember we were playing in a MURP campaign, that's, um, that's Middle-Earth role-playing for those who don't know, and one of the players was playing a troll. Don't ask me how, I think we were playing a little fast and loose with the lore at the time. Anyway, this troll at one point ate the friend of one of the other player characters. This was a funny moment in its own right, but what really took it over the top was that over the course of several sessions, the other character, who was a dwarf I believe, repeatedly failed various intuition roles to figure out what had happened. All he knew was that his friend was missing and the troll looked well-fed. It was in the same campaign that I was playing a scout, and there was a scene where he was furiously running away from a team of orcs. 
My character rushed down the dark mine tunnel, desperate to find any means of escape, when he finally arrived at a dead end. I anxiously asked the game master if I could roll a perception check for some secret entrance or exit. A notable core feature of the old MURP system is that you could fumble skill checks, often with witty descriptions given in the charts. Many players of this game will tell you the tale of their characters suffering the fate of tripping over an unseen turtle. Of course, it was in this moment of needing to find a way out of the room that my character suffered a fumble of his perception check. The GM paused for a moment, blinked, conceded to the role, and stated that I found no escape. Now, this character was well known for being an expert sneak, so I at least had the option to try and hide. Doing so would have led to inevitable capture because there was only so much space to search, but I figured maybe I could get the drop on them and at least take out one or two before they subdued me. So I rolled my stock and hide check and scored an amazing result and hid behind the ladder that led up to a trapdoor in the ceiling. Admittedly, some moments arise that scratch credulity, but here I am telling you about them decades later, so I can't be mad at that. In opposition to these moments, so much of character building and progression in tabletop games is geared towards stomping out as much opportunity for failure as possible. We ramp those abilities up so that our heroes never appear fallible. Now, I'm not saying we want our heroes to bumble around like a bunch of inept morons, barely able to string up a tent on a sunny day, but we also don't want our heroes constantly succeeding at every check. So let those failures roll. Tease them out into something interesting and new. Play off them like numerical improv. Let the dice provide you with new paths to take. Beyond the stats and die rolls, though, there is far more opportunity in the more emotional changes your character might go through as their stories are told. The example I gave before of our mage campaign did involve some changes to a character's stats, but what was more important were the story elements that grew out of a singular event. And you don't need mechanical changes to a character sheet to explore those. Uh, perhaps a mission or quest goes sideways. The plan the players developed was totally wrong. The villain got away and innocent bystanders got injured or worse. Events like this can create catalysts for players to take the personalities of their characters in different directions. Minor mistakes can make them second-guess their outlook on life. Major disasters can cause significant shifts in the character's worldviews. There is some burden on the GM to provide these opportunities. Folks, listen up. This is for the players and for the GMs. Put your ear real close because I'm going to share something with you. And I want you to take it in carefully with purpose. You ready? It's okay for adventures to end in failure. Now, before I get into this, I want to emphasize something because I can hear the chop smacking of all those old school revival GMs out there who are already taking all this to heart and planning their next total party kill. Hold up. Constantly equating failure with character death is as boring as equating character growth with never failing. Sure, I believe nothing can change the trajectory of a character's story quite like the death of a companion, and for the love of all that is holy, allow that to happen from time to time. But TPKs are rarely practical when the goal is for everyone to have fun. A TPK is not some force of nature that is out of your control, nor is it an inevitable consequence of poor dice rolls on the part of the players. There are almost always alternatives to death, and a moment where the heroes lose everything is a very fitting consequence to everything going wrong. Here's an interesting experiment you can try. 
Present in a scene a typical combat encounter. Outfit the foes with the usual nasty weapons, but show them as being capable and worthy of some consideration, not just schleps who will be pushed over easily. Imply that the outcome of this battle will likely be the death of one side or the other. Then, about halfway through the fight, reveal that the intent of the enemy is not to kill, but to capture. You will likely see the demeanor of the players shift considerably. They will become much more cautious in their approach. They may even retreat. Many players would rather their characters die than become prisoners, and from a storytelling perspective, I think that's kind of a shame, because the inevitable escape attempt can be a dramatic and fulfilling experience. The virtue of a failed mission is especially true of long-running campaigns where there is an overarching metaplot that ties the adventure together. Just because the players fail to achieve the goal of the mission doesn't mean the overall story is beyond repair. I mean, look at your favorite novel or movie. They almost always suffer some great failure at the end of Act 2. They're forced to retreat, regroup. They must reevaluate their lives and their place in the world events. They're handed defeat and given a choice to let it consume them or keep moving forward. The Empire Strikes Back, Wrath of Khan, The Dark Knight, The Matrix Reloaded, The Winter Soldier, all movies where the heroes were left destitute and on the brink of total defeat and set the stage for great comebacks. I would even suggest that you plan for some sessions to end darkly for that very purpose, to set up an epic third act. In a long-running Star Wars campaign, we had a PC who was a starship thief. He started the story as Force-sensitive, but without any Force powers. As things progressed, he began learning some of these skills through one of the other heroes who was a minor Jedi. But the thief's pre-existing demeanor led him down a dark path, and he eventually, perhaps inevitably, became consumed by the dark side. This was a mechanically supported concept, and according to the written rules, I was supposed to confiscate his character and possibly use him as an NPC. It was a more experimental time in our gaming days, and we were in this campaign for the long haul, so I figured there was no harm in letting him continue and play the character and see where things went. This character's best friend was a Wookiee who, by overt and implied muscle, got him out of more than one scrape during the campaign. Their bond was unbreakable, but the Wookiee was emotionally torn over his friend's fall to the dark side. The furry brute became a sort of anchor that held the dark side character to any hopes of redemption. In a later part of the story, the Wookiee saved his friend from a collapsing building before losing his own life as the structure fell on top of him. This moment was the result of deliberate choices on the part of the players combined with a few well-timed failed checks. It wasn't planned or expected, just revealed through natural cause and effect. As the thief looked down at the rubble that now entombed his lifelong friend, the people around the table were unironically silent, speechless. That marked a turning point in the story for that character as he played out the honoring of his friend's sacrifice and finding a way back to the path of the light side. It also marked a turning point in my perspective as a game master. This was no longer a hobby of creating a series of encounters in some loosely bound metaplot that would more or less play out the same way no matter what happened in the course of the adventures. We were crafting stories that had meaning to our characters and to us as players. Again, care should be taken here. Not all players are on board with losing a character in which they've devoted hours of thought and effort. Many don't even like to lose hard-earned gear or lifestyles, and striking those emotional chords might go deeper than players are comfortable with. This style of gaming isn't for everyone. 
It not only takes a lot of energy and focus on the nuances of the character and the story around them, but it takes a lot of investment of time to tie all those elements into the meta plot. If you enjoy a more lighthearted approach where the adventures and characters are more disassociated from each other, there's nothing wrong with that. Having a character intrinsically tied to the story also means that if a player is absent, the story might need to be put on pause for an entire session. That can be a drag. Talk to everyone before the story begins. Make sure they're on board with at least some measure of dramatic upheaval and deeper character involvement. To be clear, in any of this, I'm not talking about character backstories. You know, those 12-page treatises that players bring to the Game Master with the expectation that it somehow gets completely integrated into a campaign that has already had dozens of hours devoted to development. You know who you are. I see this quite often. GMs bring a new campaign to the table for which the players write these extensive backgrounds that establish their characters as fully fleshed out heroes, all those truly life-defining moments already in their past. Any event that would imprint on that character's personality and worldview has already happened. And from that first moment on, they are driven through the campaign with little potential to change who they are or how they behave. No matter what event transpires during the campaign, this is their character and this is how they will be played. The static assumption that the character is already who they are going to be is often justified in all future actions with the mantra, that's what my character would do. Think about it. The heroes you read about in stories and see in movies don't always get better physically and mentally and certainly not emotionally. Some of the greatest characters in film and literature have suffered huge setbacks that scar them for life or threaten their abilities, and their stories are always more interesting because of it. But too often, we place that sort of event in the character's backstory, the history before they hit the table. What if those moments are saved for the campaign? If you want to experience character dynamism during the campaign itself, leaving a bit more blank space in the canvas at the start can give others room to add elements that can connect to the rest of the campaign. And let me posit this, if you're relying on the phrase, that's what my character would do to justify actions using the same motivations at the 20th level as you were at the first level, I'm going to suggest you're playing a boring character. In the final analysis, look at how you react to failure in your games. Do you see them as frustrations or do you see them as opportunities? I think these moments can take our stories in directions we wouldn't normally accept. They force us out of our comfort zones and remind us that if you can survive something you didn't think you could survive, you come out of the other side of it knowing you're stronger than you realized. And if that can be true of characters you play, maybe it can be true of you in your real life. What do you think? Do you have any examples of failure in a game you'd like to share? Leave a comment where you're seeing this podcast or feel free to email me at tomag at outlook.com. That's T O A. M-A-G at Outlook.com. Or come join me on the Tales of a Middle-Aged Gamer Facebook page. I'll try to respond to some comments in the next episode. I do want to take a moment here at the end uh, to address the elephant in the room, that being the long time since the last episode. It was never my intention to abandon this podcast, but I think I went into it with a bit of blind exuberance. I had several episodes in mind and ready to go, but I didn't have the real-world time, tech, and tenacity to make them happen. Things happened and I just didn't work on it. I had to rethink some things. For example, I'm not sure I'm going to continue with the interview style episodes. They're harder to arrange and the idea didn't age as well, I think. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. 
I also got some good feedback on my style and approach that I took to heart. A few weeks ago, I managed to get a better microphone. Hopefully that was obvious in this episode. My hope is that going forward, I can continue to devote the time to make this halfway entertaining to everyone and therapeutic for me. On that note, I did get great responses in the last episode. I want to share a few with you. Chris M. said the intro song reminded him of a generic breaking news noise that a DJ screwed around with. It was something I wrote back in high school on a Yamaha keyboard. It takes on a different context if you hear the whole song, but I can definitely hear that analogy. It was all I could drag out without fear of copyright infringement, though. Since then, I've done a bit more research, and I think the update works a bit better for modern sounds. Chris also said that I was lucky to have a brother who had my back in the way that uh, I told in that first episode. I agree. And yes, for the most part, we are still that close. Howdor G said he hoped the Tales of a Middle-Aged Gamer Facebook page would still get content as he was unable to listen due to some hearing loss. That page is not going anywhere. It's been going for, well, heck, coming up on 10 years, I think. Uh, in fact, a lot of the stories I'll be telling here will dip into previous tales and comments. I might also see about getting some transcripts of these episodes out there somehow. We'll see. Doug H. commented on the Apollo story from the first episode, the giant dog. Every word of that was absolutely true, as I remember it. That's all for this episode, folks. I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for listening, and I hope you'll return for the next episode. In the meantime, remember to play the games you love, love the games you play, and I hope to see you at the table sometime. Thank you. There's a bug in here. Trying to... Deal the spotlight. I'm not paying you.